The Once and Future Nerd is independently produced. If you're enjoying the show and would like to support us, visit onceandfuturenerd.com support to find out how you can help. Listening to this show on an iOS device? Leave us a rating on iTunes, please. The Once and Future Nerd Book One, Princes of Jordan Chapter Five, The Worthiest Knight Episode Four The Redmore and Mooncrest post-dinner horse ride was a tense affair. The soon-to-be-married couple rode some distance ahead, out of earshot but within sight of the others. Ardell Redmore watched the couple suspiciously, trying to decipher Antonin's motivation for this ride. With him rode his cousin Rickard Redmore, who was accompanied by his favourite hunting dog. I hope you do not think me too mannerless, my lady. Arlene Redmore shared a beautiful white mare with Antonin, the man she had just met, who was to be her husband. I only found you exceptionally gracious, so long as my behavior did not offend you. She could imagine she felt the eyes of her brother and cousin boring into her back. Not in the least. Understand, it's not that I don't value etiquette, but if you'll excuse my frankness, I've come to believe that some rules are more important than others. I've never considered that point of view, my lord. Have you ever been on the banks of the Aberwire, my lady? I haven't. I look forward to it, though, when... when we are wed. For a mile or so, on either side of the river, there is a verdant oasis. But as you travel further north, the reeds get terribly dry. If lightning strikes or feral men make camp and are not careful, the resulting fire could quickly grow out of control and envelop the oasis as well. That would ruin my family and doom our people to starvation, as I'm sure you understand. Perish the thought. Indeed. Do you know what we do to prevent such calamity? I don't, my lord. Twice a year, we send out men with torches and water to burn off the driest patches but stop the fire from spreading any further. Fascinating. So, sometimes you must destroy a little on the periphery to save what truly matters most. Do you see what I mean? I think so, my lord. When it comes to laws and customs, of course we do honor to Galadin by obeying them. But when we must choose between breaking a rule here or there, or allowing widespread chaos to run amok, surely Galadin would favor the former. There's wisdom in that, my lord. Good. So I pray you'll forgive me for this next part. Had you been close enough to observe, you would have seen Antonin Mooncrest lift a small wooden whistle to his lips. The sound it made was inaudible to the human ear, but it was rather painful to the hound. Ardell, of course, was not close enough to observe and could not hear the sound. From his vantage, the dog's sudden fit of barking and running was quite without provocation. The barking startled the white mare, who reared upon her hind legs like a statue before bolting ahead. Antonin sat the terrified horse as calmly as if she were walking in a park. Arlene clung to her betrothed for dear life. By the time Ardell and Ricard had caught up, Arlene was on the ground next to a large oak tree. 
Antonin leapt off his horse to offer a hand to Arlene, but she rolled away from him and tried to run. My lady. What in Galadon's name is happening? Antonin Mooncrest knelt in contrition before Ardell. Lords Redmore, you have my most abject apology. I thought I knew my horse well, but you knew the lady better. I beg your forgiveness, my lord. If the lady is injured in any way, my house will repay yours tenfold. Go help the poor thing, cousin. Ricard dismounted and made the briefest eye contact with Mooncrest. All I will say, Lord Mooncrest, is that your lord uncle would never have been so foolhardy. I deserve much harsher words. Cousin Ricard offered a hand to Arlene. Rather than accepting it, she skittered on her hands and knees away from her cousin's touch. And this should go without saying, but on behalf of my house, I forfeit the right to request blood proof of Maid Redmore's maidenhood. The silence was deafening. The entire forest stilled at the shock of these words. Arlene scarce dared to breathe. What? Ardell's face grew more and more red, impossibly red. A vein in his neck bulged. Antonin Mooncrest continued to kneel and continued to speak calmly as if he were discussing the weather. It's entirely plausible that the maiden knot was broken in this dreadful accident. It happens to many ladies who take an early interest in equitation. Are you sure you understand what you're saying, my lord? You saw how the beast took off, didn't you, my lord Ricard? At this, Ricard Redmore finally managed to make eye contact with Arlene. He made a slight bow, merely a dip of his head towards his cousin, as he said quietly, Indeed. There you have it. The vein in Ardell's neck looked fit to burst. You are most gracious, my lord. Nia dreamed of the great lecture hall atop the Tower of Armstrongard. The hall was crowded, and the great Bar Lokir was delivering a lecture. In the manner of dreams, the subject of the talk slipped beyond the mind. A handsome student across the hall smiled at Nia. She flushed and smiled disproportionate to the small gesture. Her joy was interrupted, however. Suddenly, Balokir screeched, a haunting, unearthly sound. Ba's skin split and peeled, and from within the elf's body burst the most terrifying beast Nia could possibly imagine. The demon screeched again. Nia stood to flee, but none of the other students in the room appeared to notice Ba's transformation. As Nia gazed around in horror, she noticed that the girl in the seat next to her was too young to be an Armstrong Guard student. She also had a gaping wound in the center of her chest. There are seven things you must know to save me. The fifth thing is, the blind man has seen the face of God. The dream demon sprung towards Nia, leaping the many intervening rows of the lecture hall in a single bound. Jen may be ready to talk. Nia awoke in the monastery dormitory with a start. She looked towards the empty cot, which should have contained Jen in confusion. Yellowine, still awake and on guard, noticed her confusion. Bale Tower. And you let her go in her current state? 
Nia indeed found Jen in the bell tower, surveying the storm. Jen? I owe you an apology. The anger had fled from Jen's eyes. Still, she did not turn or speak. Since undertaking this quest, which I was admittedly not fully prepared for, I have... Well, suffice it to say, my faith has become somewhat more complex. I unfairly expected you and the boys to restore some of the simplicity of youth, and then lashed out when you were human. You know what I've been feeling since this morning? I can't imagine. Powerful. Jen turned and looked Nia directly in the eyes. I swung my arm and made him go away. And now he can't hurt anyone else. That felt so good, thinking I could make all the bad men go away, and then no one else would have to go through that. I didn't want to think about it because I knew once I thought about it... <sighs> oh my god. I, I killed somebody. <laughs> oh god. Jen fell sobbing into Nia's shoulder as the acolyte wrapped the girl in a comforting embrace. Their moment, however, was interrupted by a splintering crash from below. Frieshelm and his squires had broken through the monastery's barred door. Yiluin's arrows felled three squires in the blink of an eye, but the other three used their fallen companions as a shield to get close enough to tackle the elf. At that range, his bow was useless, and without enough time to draw a knife, he was quickly restrained by the three large men. Billy and Nelson, to their credit and the credit of Brennan's training, were awake and armoured in moments. They stood bravely shoulder to shoulder, brandishing their swords at Frieshelm in a posture they only prayed was correct. The knight only laughed, and with a quick flick of his own blade, disarmed both of the boys. Their swords skittered down the hallway and out of reach. A single ursine swing of Frieshelm's gauntleted hand knocked both of the boys on their backs. The man casually lifted his own blade to strike Billy down. Jen and Nia emerged from the stairwell just in time to see Frieshelm's sword poised over Billy's throat. No! Heedless of her own safety, Jen ran at the man, swinging her own sword wildly. Her strikes bounced off of Frieshelm's armor harmlessly. With his left hand, Frieshelm grabbed the girl by the throat and lifted her clear off the ground. Jen! Nia pointed her staff at him in preparation for a spell, but a flippant stroke from the sword in his right hand shattered the wood effortlessly. Jen's eyes bulged as the large man throttled her. He shook, and her eyes rolled wildly as she kicked and struggled. Suddenly she stopped kicking. Her eyelids fell closed. Sir Frieshelm laughed cruelly. As he laughed, a sort of hum filled the room. Almost imperceptible at first, the sensation was more felt than heard, and it slowly grew stronger. The hairs on Jen's head stood on end. For just a heartbeat, the room went still, and then the figure of Frieshelm exploded in sparks. His armor shone from the light of it, and girl and man were thrown apart, each heavily hitting the walls at opposite ends of the room. Yiluin took advantage of the momentary shock to throw the three squires off of him. The terrified men fled to the door of the room, only to run headlong into Regan and Brennan, who had just arrived. 
the queen's twin swords flashed and her general's axe gleamed, and then the squires were dead. Sir Frieshelm himself lay stunned against a back wall. Wordlessly, Brennan kicked off his helm and decapitated him with a great swing of his axe. Billy was the first to recover from the shock of the battle. He rushed to Jen's side. Jen! Is she all right? That sucked. The print of a hand was clearly burned into her flesh, red ghosts of fingers grasping her neck. She slumped against Billy's chest, unable to move further. You're okay, babe. We got him. I'll make you some ice. The acolyte reached for her staff, before remembering it lay in ruins on the floor. Instead, she gingerly placed her own hands upon the girl's neck and began muttering some words. Nice of you guys to join us, by the way. Way to kill a cop while you're supposed to be lying low. Which of you fucking wizards thought that was a good idea? Jen raised a weak hand before letting it drop. Glad you've kept your sense of humor, but really, I'm curious. Nia only nodded. When Regan looked towards the elf for confirmation, he nodded too. No shit. Well, fuck me, I had you wrong, girly. I owe you a drink. And you just magic the shit out of Falcon Boy there. Yeah, what did you do, honey? That was fucking awesome. <laughs> she attempted an enchantment way beyond her ability and injured herself in the process, which is exactly what I warned her about. Thank you for not listening. I just wish I could have seen the look on McShane's son of a bitch face. Your timing leaves something to be desired, though. Indeed. General. While out in the taverns, I heard some troubling whispers about the kingdom. Some are true, I'm afraid. His majesty is slain, and Ardell Redmore has usurped the high throne. What? Yilwyn, you heard talk of this and didn't tell us? You know how common men gossip. There was no sense worrying you all until we knew for sure. Well, now you know. Oh, and also that means I'm queen, apparently. Your grace! Nearly dropping, Jen, Nia knelt low to the ground. At a slight gesture towards the boys, they eventually followed suit. The Knights of the Wood will not abide such wanton chaos. Regan lifted an eyebrow at the elf. With a sigh, he lowered his head, the minimum required by etiquette. Your Grace. Would you say this merits petitioning the High Council directly, Kaltir? I never thought I'd see such a thing in my life, but I'm afraid it does. If you would be so gracious as to broker our passage into the White Forest... Yeah, of course. Though I would caution you all not to mention the less lawful moments of the last few days in the presence of elves. We can't go anywhere till the storm dies down. Luckily, neither can anyone get up here. Let's take the chance to get some rest. Yiluin looked around, as if noticing for the first time that the room was full of corpses. We should deal with these. Before the rats come. I'll deal with Sir Frieshelm. Kaltir, gather up the rest. I'll help you, Brennan. Brennan and Regan struggled to carry the large corpse through the gale winds and driving rain. As they tossed the body over a cliff, Brennan spoke. Was an attorney. He was Redmore's champion and I was your grandfather's. The victor got to hold the vanquished hostage for the champion's purse. When I lost, the Lord Treasurer didn't think a peasant was worth the money. Guter humiliated himself to get me released. Don't think I've ever forgiven myself. Next time I rode into a real battle was an orc raid near Blackhold. I led 500 light infantry into four times as many pike. Even I heard about that. Didn't know it was you, though. Our foes broke rank. Everyone said my boldness won the day. I ran in thinking we'd surely die. What was the point? Guilt's a privilege of the living. 
Freezum's dead. Aye, but he lived and died a night. Let's get inside. As the two returned from outside, Yiluin was searching the squire's bodies for anything useful, while Billy, Nelson, and Nia tended to Jen. I'm gonna need somebody to walk me through this. Through what? I'm Knight and Brennan. Your grace? A queen can do that, right? If Her Majesty wills it. Neil, General Brennan of Greyfield. Brennan could not keep the grin from widening across his face as he knelt in front of his queen. He waited expectantly, and waited, and waited. Okay, that's all I got. Yiluin rolled his eyes, but took the Cartier post behind Queen Regan's right shoulder. Say I, then state your full name and titles. I, Irana Margaret Regan, a thief queen of Armstrongard. Your real titles. What are my real titles? Champion of the civilized peoples and high queen of the human realms of Jordan. Shit, look at me. I, Irana Margaret Regan, champion of the civilized peoples and high queen of the human realms of Jordan. Do call upon me. I call upon me. No, you call upon me. Do call upon you, General Brennan of Greyfield. To serve me as a knight. To serve as a knight. Now ask, would you be knighted? Would you be knighted? I would, your grace. Can I just appoint the preacher lady to say the rest of the words for me? You may. Is that going to make this count any less for you, General? No, your grace. Brennan's smile still split his face. Regan gestured to Nia, who could not suppress her own smile. Would you bring honor to your liege in all you do and obey her every order? May Galadin help you? I would. And would your grace never give your knight a command which would bring disorder or disgrace? How are we defining disorder and disgrace? <clears throat> Fine. I would not. I'll do all the fun stuff myself. Now you dub him. Is that the sword part? Yes. Regan drew her blade and touched the flat steel gently to Brennan's left shoulder. Do you have a family name, General? My father was called Willem. I dub you Sir Brennan Willemson. The steel touched his right shoulder. Arise, Sir Brennan. This is like Man of La Mancha, except Brennan's not a total fuck-up. Man of the what? It's a musical, Billy. They did it at school last year. I was going to be in it. Jen, rest your voice. Billy Nelson, would you please help her into bed? I'll see to her in a few minutes. Billy lifted the girl and carried her towards the beds. Nelson followed. Once Nia was sure the children were out of earshot, she turned to Brennan and Regan. Jen's throat will swell. I can ice it, but I can only do so much without my staff. She needs a real physician. And Brennan needs his arm taken care of. I told you it's fine. That's my arm, and I'm gonna need it. There will be elven medicine that can help when we get to the White Forest. If we don't get there soon, it may be too late for Jen. But we are dead for sure if we try to get down this storm. We must be ready to depart as soon as the storm clears. Kaltir, take the first watch. As they dispersed to prepare for the evening, Regan held her night back for a moment. Sir Brennan. Your grace. Uh, Maggie and Katie, good sword names. For additional information and bonus content, access onceandfuturenerd.com on your computer machine. New episodes are released every other Sunday. 
The Once and Future Nerd is written and created by Zach Glass and Christian Madeira and directed and edited by Christian Madeira. It is performed by Rhiannon Angel, Garrett Armin, Dan Dobransky, Lily Drexler, Hayes Dunlop, Anya Gibeon, Ian Harkins, Paul Notice, Frank Querez, and Julie Reed. It is co-executive produced by Jess Kelly. Alex Story is an associate producer. The Once in Future Nerd is recorded by Brian Forbes at the Gallery Recording Studio in Brooklyn, New York, with second unit production sound by Gary O'Keefe. Foley, sound design, and post-production mixing is done by Sandro Ramirez. Theme music is composed by Tom Lee. Thanks for downloading 